Well, Merry Christmas. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, open with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be. <clears throat> Let me open up this service the same way um, I try to open up uh, every Christmas Eve service. This is a family service, okay? So there are a lot of you parents in here right now, and you've got your kids with you. And let me tell you what I already know you're doing. You're threatening Santa already. You're like, you're like Santa ain't coming to our house tonight if you don't be quiet, all right? Listen, listen. I know how you are, all right? I know you because I am you, all right? And listen, here's just what I just want to tell you. The sound of their murmurs in this room is a beautiful sound, okay? Thank God that they're worshiping with us tonight. So cut them a little slack, all right? I can't hold your attention for like 30 minutes every Sunday, so I'm not going to hold their attention for the next 20, 25 minutes, okay? It's okay, all right? So listen, just give them a little grace. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for us as we start tonight. Um, and I, as we pray, I'm going to pray for you guys. You pray for me. And let's just pray that God's Holy Spirit will be in the room with us, okay? Can I get just a little bit more house light um, on, the, on the crowd here so, they can, so we can see our Bibles? Thank you. Let's pray with me. Dear God, thank you so much. Um, thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to come and, and to preach your word now. God, I pray that over the next few minutes your Holy Spirit would be in this room and that we would hear from you, and that we would know you, and that we would love you, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would just let families have uh, no anxiety about the next few moments, but that we could worship together as families and enjoy, and enjoy your words. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, it, it is the entering into of the Christmas season, right? And everybody has their favorite traditions uh, to start off the Christmas season, to start off the Christmas seasons with. My family, one of our favorite Christmas traditions are, are Christmas movies, right? We're, we are movie people. We love movies, all right? And so we love Christmas movies. I love, I've loved over the past couple of years, Danny's five now, been able to introduce her to all the new Christmas movies, right? Uh, so this past weekend, we introduced Danny to Elf, right, with uh, Will Ferrell. I hate that movie so much. But she thought, it was, she thought it was hilarious, right? And so she enjoyed Elf. Uh, and last year we introduced her to Home Alone. And man, that was just classic. She was like saying, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal and stuff. That was kind of borderline. Uh, I haven't introduced her to my favorite Christmas movie yet, which is Die Hard, okay? Um, you might be here tonight and you might be saying, well, that's not really a Christmas movie. Well, God will reveal that to you in due time, okay? Uh, now, we, did, we have, though, introduced her to Jenna's favorite Christmas movie, which is The Grinch. Now, I, I don't know if you guys love The Grinch or not, but we, we really love The Grinch. And I'm not talking about Jim Carrey's Grinch. I'm particularly talking about the new Grinch, right, with Benedict Cumberpatch. It's really great. You should watch that tonight as a family. It'll be great, all right? But we watched it this past weekend. Actually, we went to Georgia this past weekend. We did five Christmases in two days, right? We're insane, okay? Uh, and in the, in the spare time that we had between those five Christmases and two days, we watched this, the, the Grinch again, and there was one scene that I haven't been able to get over, uh, and I don't think I've ever really noticed it before. If you remember the story of the Grinch, you know that the Grinch steals Christmas, right? And, and he, as he's going back up in this scene, in, in, in this particular rendition of it, as he's going back up, uh, he's about to throw the gifts over the cliff and be done with Christmas once and for all when something stops him. And if you know the story, you know that what stops him is he hears the singing of the people down in right? And he wonders how this can be because he's stolen Christmas. No one should be happy because he's stolen Christmas. And so he looks down onto Whoville and he, he, Dr. Seuss's famous words about the scene. Here's what Dr. Seuss says. He says, he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come 
from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. The reason I haven't been able to get over that is because I think if we're honest, there are a lot of times that we come into the Christmas season a lot like the Grinch. Not that we want to steal Christmas, but that we misunderstand what Christmas is about. And we get so lost in the hustle and bustle of everything that's going on that we forget that there's actually a point to this. And listen, I know exactly how it is to be a parent, right? When you leave here tonight, parents, you're getting to work, right? Like, like Santa's coming, you got to prepare, right? And so it's, it, it, I understand that everything gets really busy. And here's what I want to offer us tonight. I want to offer us a chance to remember what the Grinch remembered. That Christmas does mean more. That there is a reason, listen, that we've considered it important enough to take our time and instead of being somewhere else tonight, to be here. Why does this matter? Why does Christmas just mean a little bit more? And that's what I want to answer tonight. And ultimately, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see that Christmas means a little bit more because Christmas is about good news. And listen, good news changes everything. Good news changes everything. So if you got your Bible, look with me at Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to read the same text that my wife just read, which is kind of uh, crazy because usually I do things first and then she comes behind me and does them the right way, okay? We're, rever we're reversing order tonight. I'm going to read after her. So Luke chapter 2. Here's what the Bible says. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, just a little bit of historical context, okay? A little bit of historical context. When the Bible says a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, Caesar Augustus is not the name of that person. Caesar Augustus is his title. Here's why this is important. Because Caesar Augustus was the title for the Roman emperor at the time, uh, Octavian. And now, the Roman emperor was called Caesar Augustus because he was the first Roman e emperor who established such a rule, such a peace, that the people looked at him and thought, this man must not be a man, he must be a god. And so Caesar Augustus fancied himself a god, so he became ruler and lord. That's what Caesar Augustus means. Now, here's why that's really important. Luke is setting up for us a picture in the these words. He says that Caesar Augustus ordered that a registration should go out. And here's what's so ironic, so crazy about that. In the year that this man became, that ordered this registration, the man who would become a god, when he ordered the registration, God actually became a man. So Luke's playing on this force. Verse 2. All right, this is going to take a while if I do that very verse. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, to the from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. Now, listen, we don't know exactly how far along in the pregnancy that Mary seems to be here. But it seems, ladies, uh, if we can put, impart some uh, modern terminology onto it, that she was in the very least in the third trimester. Now, ladies, any of y'all feel up for in the third trimester of your pregnancy going on like a 17-mile hike? I don't think Mary did either, which explains the next part of this, verse 6. Verse 6 says this, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. I wonder why, okay? <laughs> And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, listen, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. 
Now, I, just as we move forward, listen. Like, she hates my preaching, all right? I get it. It's all right. Bless your heart. It's okay. As we move forward, I want you to recognize something. Some of y'all are like, can I go with her? <laughs> that something that's kind of bothered me this week as I read this scripture. You would think that when the Son of God was to be born, we'd get more than a little two-verse description. You know what I'm saying? That, that Luke would add some fluff here. That he would say, here's what Mary was thinking. And here's what Joseph did. And here's what was going on. But listen, here's what I, I, I've been reading this week. And here's the only thing I can come to. Luke wasn't trying to tell a narrative here. He wasn't trying to tell a story about something that might have happened. He was recording facts that did happen. This is not once upon a time. This is once in time. That, so that leads to verse 7. Verse 8, I mean. Verse 8 says this, And the same region where the shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is called Christ the Lord. Now I want you to notice this. The angel did not come and say, I'm bringing you good advice. Now I want you to see this because this is what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. And we'll talk more about this in just a second. But other religions come and offer you good advice and that if you follow that good advice, you may make it up to heaven. That's not what the angels are saying. The angels do not say, I bring you good advice. The angels say, I bring you good news. You don't have to work your way up. Jesus is coming down. And notice what they say. Verse 13. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Why does Christmas matter? Why, why is this good news so important? Here, I want us to see three things. Why is Christmas so important? The first thing I want us to see is this. Why does Christmas matter? So we can experience God's presence. So we can experience God's presence. Notice what the angels said to the shepherds in the field. The angels said to the shepherds in the field, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now don't miss what the angels are setting up for us here. The angels are setting up for us a very distinct message. And that message is this, that God himself has come to you. The presence of God has come to you. Now, we, if, we're, if we don't have any background with church or the Bible, we can miss why this is such an incredibly big deal. Okay? We can miss why the presence of God is such a big deal. The presence of God coming to us is such a big deal because we are men and women who were made to live in the presence of God. If you don't know this, you can go back and you can read this on your own time, but you can go back to Genesis 1 and 2. And what you find in Genesis 1 and 2 is that God, the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth, and when everything was as it was designed to be, men and women literally dwelt with God. It says this in Genesis 3, that, they, that men and women walked with God in the cool of the day in the garden. In other words, listen, we were made to live with God. Now here's the really bad news. Sin ruined that. Sin ruined that. 
So we lived in the garden with God, but instead of living in the garden with God, we looked to God and said, God, we don't really like doing things your way. We think we could do things better. And sin, listen, ruined our, our ability to dwell in God's presence. So here, here's what God's di God did, and we'll talk about this more in just a second. But in Genesis chapter 3, God drove us out of the garden. He said, you, your sin can no longer dwell in my presence and you, and you cannot dwell with me. So he drove us out of the garden, and he drove us into the wilderness. And now listen, if we're all honest, this is one of the reasons why we know life is not as it should be. This is one of the reasons why, if we're honest with ourselves, when we lay our head on our pillow at night, and everything in the world is right around us, but something still seems off, this is why it's so. Because we were men and women who were made to dwell with God and we've lost God's presence. Now get what Luke's saying. Luke's saying that Christmas is such good news because God drove us out of the garden because of our sin. But listen, we don't have to go back into the garden to get back into God's presence. The reason why Christmas is such a big deal is because God has come out of the garden into the wilderness and given us our, His presence. God has come to us. This is why the good news of Christmas is such a big deal. And this is what separates Christianity from other religions. And other religions, every one of us, start at the bottom of the mountain. And listen, here's what we say. We start at the bottom of the mountain. Every other religion says, if you're good enough, maybe you'll make it to the top of that mountain and you'll get to God. And here's what Christianity says. That God's come off the top of the mountain. He's come to you. So the good news of Christmas is this. That Jesus has come to bring us back into God's presence. This is why Augustine said this. He said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. In other words, we can come back into the presence of God. Why? Because Jesus came. So that's the first thing I want to see. That's why this, this news is such good news. The second thing I want to see why this news is such good news is this. Not only can we be in God's presence, it's good news so we can see God's glory. You notice what happens when the angel of the Lord showed up to the shepherds? The Bible says that the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, this is we've got to be careful with this because when we read Scripture, what, the way we tend to read that is that the glory of the angel shone around them. Listen, that's not what it says. It says the glory of the Lord shone around them. So the angel showed up, and the angel's got some good news to tell us, and with the arrival of the good news comes the arrival of God's glory. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but God's glory is a really, really big problem for you and for me. You want to know how we know it's a really big problem? Notice the, the shepherd's response to the glory of God. What does the Bible say? They were filled with great fear. Why is God's glory such a problem for us? God's glory is such a problem because His glory is a reflection of His holiness. When we see God's glory, what we're reminded of is that God is not like us, that we are sinful and broken, and that God is not. The glory of God is a problem for you and me. But Jesus has come to change that. Because when the glory of the Lord shone around the angels, guess what the angels said? Fear not. Jesus has come 
to save us from our sin and wash us clean. We are made holy because Jesus makes us holy. This is why 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, if God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God. So get this, this Christmas is such good news because on the day that we die, if we believe in Jesus, we can stand before God and listen, as if we have never sinned at all. God's glory is good news. God's glory is good news. Then lastly, I want us to see why is Christmas matter? Why does Christmas mean more? So we can know God's peace. No, I love what the angel said. Listen to what the angel says. The angel says, the multitude shows up and they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Listen, you may not know this. You may not know this, but your greatest problem in life, listen, is that you are an enemy of God. Your greatest problem in life is that you are an enemy of God. When Genesis chapter, when Genesis chapter 1 and 2 were happening, we weren't in, in enmity with God. We dwelled in peace with God. But when sin happened, listen, God drove us out of the garden. And if you go read Genesis chapter 3, here's what you find. That when God drove us from the garden, listen, the Bible says that he stationed an angel at the garden with a sword to keep us from coming back into the garden. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but that's kind of hostile language, right? God's saying, hey, I'm going to put this angel here with a sword so that you can't come back in. That doesn't just evoke feeling, emotions of like gladness, right? Why? Why did God station an angel there with a sword? Because we're now enemies with God. It's kind of like this. If you come over to my house, listen, you come over to my house and say, and I kick you out, right? And, and when I kick you out, I station Danny at the door with a nine millimeter and say, they can't come back, okay? I don't know if you know this or not, but we're now enemies. And that's what God's done. He said, we can no longer dwell together. But Jesus comes, and when Jesus comes, listen, he brings an announcement of peace. Now, this could be really good news or really bad news. Because if I have to make peace and you're my enemy, there's two ways I can make peace. I can make peace with your blood or I can make peace with my blood. So when the angels come and say, I have this pronouncement of peace, peace on earth with whom God is pleased, we've got a big question to answer. How has God come to make peace? Because we know he can make peace. We saw it in Genesis, right? When, when God flooded the earth, you know what he made? Peace. So when this angel comes and makes this announcement, we all ought to have a lot of questions. God's coming to make peace. The question is, how is he going to make it? Is he going to make it with my blood or is he going to make it with Jesus' blood? And the angel says, fear not, because Jesus has come to make peace not with our blood, but with his. Look what Colossians 1.20 says. Colossians 1.20 says this, And through him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to God, whether on earth or in heaven, how did he reconcile? How did he make peace? Making peace by the blood of his cross. Christmas is such good news because we were enemies with God. Jesus came to make peace. And he came to make peace with his blood. Here's the good news of Christmas. Jesus was born a baby in Bethlehem. He didn't stay a baby at Bethlehem. He lived 33 years, and the Bible says he performed countless miracles, and he, he healed countless people, and he fed, fed countless people. As a matter of fact, John says it this way, that were all the things Jesus had done been written down, it would fill all the volumes ever written. 
And then not only did he do all those things, but he died on a cross. And guess what? He died on a cross and he didn't stay there. Christmas is such good news because the baby that was born in Bethlehem was buried in a tomb, but he's not there anymore. Good news changes everything. I open with, with a quote from the Grinch. Let me, quote, let me close with an illustration from Charlie Brown. Does anybody remember Charlie Brown Christmas? Charlie Brown sets out on, a, on an endeavor to find out what Christmas is all about. Y'all remember the story? And he's really disappointed because as Charlie Brown goes to, to figure out what Christmas is all about, he's disappointed because it seems like nobody really knows what Christmas is all about. That everybody's getting caught up in the lights and the commercialism and the gifts. And Charlie Brown knows that that can't be what Christmas is actually about. And so we go through this whole story. It's actually a book. I don't know if you know that. It's a book and, a, and it's a, a TV show, right? You can watch this. But we go through this whole story, and Charlie tries to figure out what's the true meaning of Christmas. And then at the very end, Linus says, Charlie, I can tell you what the true meaning of Christmas is. And Linus goes out on the stage, and Linus begins to read the Christmas story. And if you'll notice, when Linus goes, he takes with him a blanket. He has a security blanket. Why? Because he's scared. Because he's afraid of going on stage in front of all the people. But Linus starts to read the Christmas story. And when Linus gets to the part where the angels say, Fear not, because I bring you good news of great joy. Do you know what Linus does? He drops his blanket. Why? Because good news changes everything. Good news changes everything. Why is it so important that we do this when we've got so much other stuff to happen tonight and we've got so many other things, so many other places to be? Why is it so important that we come into this room and we sing these songs and we hold these candles up and we sing praises to Jesus? Why is it so important? Why does Christmas mean just a little bit more? Because good news changes everything. Will you pray with me? Dear God, thank you for your word. I pray that you would just forgive the foolish ramblings of a man. And dear God, over the next few moments, I pray that we could go into a time of worship where we remind ourselves that good news changes everything. Dear God, that the best news in all the world came when Jesus came. And that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and that because of how Jesus Christ rose on the third day, everything's different. So as we go into this time of worship, dear God, I pray before we leave this place that we would remember that Christmas means just a little bit more. Because good news changes everything. In Jesus' name, amen.